Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. Many years ago when my wife and I were living in California, we were living in Santa Monica, and I went to go see a heart doctor. And the reason why I went to go see the heart doctor is I thought I had a huge problem with my heart. And the reason why I thought this is because I had a hard time grasping for breath and I felt like I just couldn't get any breath. And so when that would happen, I'd grab my heart and I remembered oh, my family has some history of heart issues. So I'm going to go see the heart doctor. So I go and I see this doctor and I, I'm sure you guys know all the technical details. I do not. He hooked me up to all the heart stuff, whatever it's called, you know, and, and he checked me out. And he's like, your heart is fine. Everything looks good. You're just probably stressed. And just like that, I walked out, no heart problems. Because here's the guy with the training, with the skills, with the machine to say, all good. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had such a thing, spiritually speaking, that we could like hook you up, see how things are going. And there'd be like a monitor that would say, oh, this person has a hard heart. They've been resisting the Lord. They're not listening to him. They're not obeying him. Or, or this person has a soft heart. They are very open to the Lord. They want to obey him. They're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't it be really cool to have such a monitor? And, and you're probably thinking, no, that would not be cool. But I'm going to tell you something. There is such a monitor there is such a thing that can examine your heart for real. And it's laid out in the Bible, this heart monitor, so to speak. And, and I want you to see it before we get into our main text today, okay? So can you just turn real quick, Hebrews 4? You're probably in Hebrews 3. Just look at Hebrews 4 real quick. Look at this heart monitor of the word of God. I mean, this, I, this is wonderful. Hebrews 4 are you there? Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. I'm going to read it to you. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to give an account. Well, well, there it is. Apparently, the word of God reveals your heart condition, that you can't hide your heart condition from the monitor of God's word. His word, did you see it there? It reveals your thoughts and intentions, which are open to God's judgment. And what we're going to see this morning is an example of what the word of God can do. In fact, we're going to see it over the next two weeks because this passage about the heart examination, the heart monitor showing what's in your heart is going to come after the author deals with Psalm 95. 
He is actually going to give them Psalm 95. He's going to preach it. He's going to hook them up to the heart monitor. And in the first part of the exposition, which we're going to see today, is in that Psalm 95. He's going to cover in Hebrews 3, 12 through 19. And the first part is going to be very negative. The negative consequences And he's going to talk about this wilderness generation and how they were unable to enter God's rest because of their hard heart of unbelief. And so this morning, this portion is going to be a warning. Don't be like the hard-hearted and faithful Israelites. Simple. Don't be like them. Then in chapter 4, next week we're going to see, chapter 4, 1 through 13, the preacher is going to use Psalm 95 positively and shows that there is still a rest that remains for those who believe. It's a promise. There is still a rest available for the faithful. Now, we're going to talk about that next week, but this week, I'm going to warn you, it's hard-hitting. I love you. I'm not mad at you. Let's just let the word of God speak as God examines our hearts where we're at. All of you are here, those watching online, those listening, let's do this. Hebrews Three, start with verse 7. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says today, okay, stop there. The Holy Spirit is speaking a fresh word to us today. The today refers to the time that Psalm 95 was written. The today also refers to the time the Hebrews were hearing this. And the today also refers to us today. The Holy Spirit is speaking today through the word of God. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me as in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tried me by testing and saw my works for 40 years. This begins the quotation from Psalm 95, which was a psalm that starts out in verses 1 through 7, giving praise to God. And the last portion of the psalm from 8 to 11 exhorts the people not to be like the rebellious, hard-hearted wilderness generation. Now, who is this wilderness generation we're talking about? A little Bible history here. Israelites experienced all these awesome miracles. They come out of Egypt, headed to the promised land, Everything is great. They send some spies out to go check out the land. Most of the spies come back and say, "Uh uh-uh, we cannot do this. Those are some big dudes. They're going to crush us like grasshoppers. We can't do it. And they start complaining. And they start grumbling. And they start rebelling against the Lord. And if I'm just going to quote, quote some of the things they said. They said stuff like this. If only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Their hearts were hard. You see, a hard heart is this. It's a heart that hears the Lord, doesn't believe him, doesn't trust him, doesn't obey him. That is a hard heart. It's a stubborn heart that hears God speak, but refuses to obey God for sure assured them the promised land. He did mighty works bringing them out of Egypt. He did awesome works, spoke to them for 40 years. They did not believe him and they rebelled. And I want to tell you this. When God speaks, two options, two options only. 
you can have a hard heart of unbelief and disobedience, or you can have a soft heart of belief and obedience. Now, you may wonder, do people really still harden their hearts today? Does that really still happen? And the answer is yes. There's a group of people that have seen this a lot over the years. And a popular example is the CCM artist. That stands for Contemporary Christian Music Artist. I don't know if you know this, but there is a group, several CCM artists, who have fallen away from Jesus over the years. In fact, I'm not even going to name names because it would depress you. Maybe you still listen to their music and you don't even know. But many artists that put music that was on the radios that maybe you've listened to in the 80s and the 90s, many of them have fallen away from Jesus. And our speaker last week, Jim Wallace, speaking up here, remember him? Well, a few weeks before speaking to us, he was at the Dove Awards. The Dove Awards are where they give out all these awards to the, the Christian artists. And he took a group of 20 up-and-coming contemporary Christian music artists, and he spoke to them. And the purpose of meeting with these 20 artists is because he sees, and many others sees, these artists not stand firm and fall away from the Lord. And so he's trying to root them in truth so when they start to rise to popularity, they'll be strong in the word of God. Because God still speaks today and people have a response of either hard heart or soft heart. But what are the consequences of a hard heart? Well, look at verse 10. Look at the consequences. This is God speaking by the Holy Spirit, look at this. Therefore I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So God is angry with this generation because they consistently had hard hearts that went astray from God and his word. And they didn't just disobey once or twice, but it, listen to this, it was a habitual pattern of going astray. In fact, when God is speaking to them in Numbers chapter 14, verse 22, it, it talks about them disobeying him and testing him 10 times, 10 times. And they were just getting started. And they were consistently testing him, disobeying him, not, not responding to his voice over and over and over again. And so God made an oath. In his wrath, they would never enter his rest. That means that rebellious generation of the hard-hearted Israelites would not enter the promised land of God's rest. And the question is, why not? Because God spoke. They responded with a hard heart. And they disobeyed. They were not going into the land. So what's the connection to the Hebrews, the book we're reading? What's the connection? Well, the connection is this. God has spoken to the Hebrews. They've seen the miracles. They have been changed. They're following Jesus. They're getting pushback. They're getting challenges. And some of them are considering bailing on Jesus. And he's saying, look what the wilderness generation did. They did not enter the rest of the promised land because they had a hard heart. And if you harden your heart, you will not enter your rest. And what is God's rest for the Hebrews? Eternal life, heaven. 
So eternal life is at stake. If they bail on Jesus, they will not be saved. Look at verse 12. Take care, brethren, there, there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. That is the main verse. That is the application. Can I read it again? Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. I think he's warning them kindly as brethren, brothers and sisters, part of the family of God, on the verge of entering heaven, not to harden their hearts. And then when he says this word, falls away from the living God, that word falls away is the word apostani. It's where we get our word apostatize. When one apostatizes and turns away from the living God, I want to tell you, this is the worst thing you could possibly do. Because the consequences of apostasizing and turning away from the living God is destruction in hell, suffering the wrath of God forever. That's why the author warns them, take care, be on guard, be careful, take heed. Because the road to apostasy comes through an unbelieving heart. It's a hard heart that is consistently and stubbornly not believing when the Lord speaks and obeying. It's a hard heart seeing the wilderness generation who experienced God's deliverance, heard his promises, but refused to obey over and over again. And so the most tragic thing that can happen to someone is having an evil and unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. And that's why they say, take care, take heed, pay attention. We need to have up our personal guard to see what's going on. Now, I want to make sure you don't misunderstand. This doesn't mean that you don't struggle with sin. This doesn't mean that you're not fighting against sin. Because those that have a hard heart and who are struggling against sin, that are not struggling against sin, they have a hard heart and they're willfully disobeying the word of God, those are the ones that need to repent. Not those who are just getting to a point where they're fighting and challenging every day. So let me just tell you what I mean. There is a difference between struggling with sexual immorality, fighting, and those who don't care. You know, I worked with college students for years and many adults. I could see the difference between those who were fighting to not give in, to live a life of purity, and those who said, forget it. And now at first it was, it was, it was people that I would talk to and they would fall away and they would go and they would sleep with their boyfriends, girlfriends, not care. They would look at poor and not care. But then as it started to grow over the years, it became more complex where people were saying, you know, I feel like God made me a homosexual and I feel like this is just who I am. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to go do this because that's just the way I am. That's the way God wants it. And so rather than I am struggling with this. I'm fighting against this. I don't want to go this direction. Can you please help me? It's like, well, this is the way it is. I'm going and I'm off. Do you see the distinction? The same thing can happen. Maybe you're struggling with forgiveness. Oh, I'm really struggling to forgive that person what they did to me. But Lord, by your grace, by your strength, I'll forgive them or I'm not forgiving them. And what does Jesus says? 
What does it say? If you don't forgive others, you will not be forgiven. You see the distinction? The same thing happens with money and greed. I'm, I'm, I want to love you, Lord. I don't want to love money. I want to love you. I'm, ch- I'm, I'm really struggling, Lord. Help me to love you. Then I'm off. I'm going to do my own thing. There's a distinction. Because brothers and sisters, we struggle with stuff. We want to fight against stuff. But then there are times where people would say, forget it. I'm out. That is a hard heart. And the function of the warning is to wake us up in our struggles and say, Lord, help me to not harden my heart like the wilderness generation, but to continue to follow you. Give me your grace to keep on walking with you. You see, the warning here is not meant to make you doubt your salvation. You don't go, wow, this makes me doubt my salvation. No, it's, it's to propel you to keep following Jesus, to keep going. It's an encouragement. Keep going. But what about those who dig in and say, no, I'm going to harden my heart. Look at that. Look at the dug in generation. Let's skip to verse 15. Let's look at this dug in generation in the desert. Look at this. While it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Were they a nation who never heard? <laughs> were they a nation who never heard of God and never experienced his powerful deliverance? Nope. They were, the deliver- they were the Israelites who heard God's truth and promises to them, and they still rebelled. Look at verse 16, right in the middle. Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses... The answer is, yep, it's those guys. They're the ones that experienced deliverance under Moses out of Egypt. Verse 17. And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was God just angry at some random group of people who saw nothing, heard nothing, experienced nothing? Nope, nope, no. He was angry at the Israelites who saw his work, heard him. They personally experienced his deliverance. Verse 17 again. Was it not with those who sinned? whose bodies fell in the desert or the wilderness? The answer is, yeah, yeah, it was those guys. God's wrath came upon them who sinned, did not believe him. They're the ones who were struck down in the desert and did not enter the promised land. Verse 18, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? Once again, not some random nation that has no association with God was left out of the promised land. No, no, no. It was the faithless, hard-hearted, disobedient, wilderness generation whom God swore would never enter his rest. And then verse 19, this is the key verse. So, that, so we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. They did not enter the promised land because they heard the voice of God They didn't believe him. They hardened their heart and disobeyed. If you're here this morning watching online and you are claiming that you have experienced deliverance, but now you are actively rebelling against God, I fear for you. I'm going to try to bring the full brunt of this. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying that if you have heard God speak and you're saying, no, and your heart is hard, and you're rebelling against him, I fear for you. 
And you, you, you may say, look, look, pastor, I understand you're afraid for me and I, and I see what the Bible says, but once saved, always say, I can do whatever I want and God's gonna save me no matter what. Oh yeah, it's true. Once saved, always saved. It's true that no one loses their salvation, but you may have never had it in the first place. Because people who claim and say, can't lose your salvation, do whatever you want, go live it up. That's not what the word of God says about go live it up. There, there was once a pastor who said, you know what, there is nothing at all that you can convince me I'm not saved. And a pastor said, if I preach the word of God and tonight go sleep with a prostitute and Jesus comes back, I'm going up and she's going down. Some people have that attitude. Just do whatever I want. It's fine. What about those who follow Jesus for years and years and years? And then boom, maybe, maybe you've seen this in the village. They're following Jesus and then they stopped. You go, well, once saved, always saved. No, no. Those who are following Jesus keep following Jesus and they press on. And there's this famous quote that says over and over again, the faith that fizzles at the finish was faulty at the first. The faith that fizzles at the finish was faulty at the first. You think about mount, mountain climbers. You ever heard of mountain climbers? People uh, climb Mount Everest or all big, other big mountains. They get up there. They're at the peak. Yes, we're the best ever. They start going down. Have you ever heard of mountain climbers dying on the descent? They got careless. And we want to be those who continue with a soft heart, not get careless, not go astray, not go to the left, to the right, but to stay following Jesus Christ. And we ask the Lord, help us have soft hearts that keep following you to the finish. Just like the Hebrews, don't bail. You've seen so many miracles. The Hebrews didn't care if people stole their property in the past. Don't give up on your confidence. Keep going. The reward is coming. Keep going. So we got to have this personal guard. We got to guard our hearts. But we also need to have up this family guard. And that's in verse 13. Ah, verse 13 is beautiful. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Do you see what it's saying? That I need you. I need you. You need me. You need each other. Because we can get deceived and our hearts become hard. And I need you to tell me, hey, man, you're off here, okay? You need to see what you're doing in your life. You got something going on. And you need your brothers and sisters to say, hey, be careful what you're doing. Look where you're going. Because you can have up this personal guard, but you also need your family, your brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage you to keep persevering because when we're alone, when maybe we're shut into our homes, we can start to think some wacky stuff and we can think stuff that's bad, it's good and, and good's bad. Our minds can just kind of go crazy. Someone's put it like this. Eternal security is a community project. It's, the body's part of the means. Those who are saved will persevere to the end, but God's given means. He's given commands, and he's also given people. There are people. You're in a church for a reason, to help you persevere in your faith and and not harden your heart because all who are true Christians will persevere because true Christianity sticks. 
True Christianity sticks. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. If. Where we start, we finish. We start with Christ, we finish with Christ. If we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm to the end, true Christianity sticks. We have up our personal guard, we have up the family guard. We continue to persevere in our faith and guard against a hard heart. Now, I don't mean to press this hard heart over and over again, but I... And I don't mean to be dogging on any other traditions, but let me just say this. There is a certain tradition that says, you know what? I'm going to sin and do what I want to do, and then I'll go to confession, and I'll be fine. I'm going to sin. I'm good. It's just fun. I'm living it up. And then I'll just go to confession, and I'll be fine. And so this concept is it's like a cycle of sin and repent cycle, right? Which that's not truly repentance, by the way, but the cycle and it reminds me of, of, of hearing a pastor, and this is what he explained it, right? So he, he went to Niagara Falls, and it's in, the, it's in the thaw. It's after the winter. It's the thaw. And so all the ice is breaking up, and big chunks of ice are going over the falls. But what was interesting, there's birds everywhere, and the birds are landing on certain chunks of ice. And, and what they're doing, <laughs> what, what these birds are doing is that they are chipping and eating Chip, 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 chip. They're trying to get at the fish that's frozen in the ice. They're chipping, eating. And so they're floating along, they're floating along, and right before they get to the falls, spread their wings, turn around, buffet line, start over. Chipping and eating, chipping and eating, chipping and eating, chipping and eating, spread wings, turn around, do over. But there's one bird, he says he's watching these birds. There's one bird, chipping, eating, chipping, eating, Chipping, eating over and over again. He's holding on pretty long. At the very end, he spreads his wings, but his claws had sunk in over to his death. And too many people think, you know, I'm just going to engage in this sin, and I'm going to keep chipping, and I'll be fine. I'll go to confession, or, or I'm saying I'm sorry, and I'll just keep doing it over again. Chipping, eating, chipping, eating. I'm fine. God doesn't care, over. When you hear God's word, as you've heard it today, hard heart or soft heart? Not perfect, hard heart or saying no. Soft heart, Lord, I want to obey you. And here's the, the last imagery, and this is a good one, okay? Uh, I read this about this lion Maybe you've read this. There's this lion. He's like a super powerful lion, all right? And he goes up, this lion, goes up to a, a lion statue. So you got this lion, his life's big, goes up to a statue of a lion, blows on the lion statue. The statue starts to thaw, and a real lion comes to life. Perhaps you've read that before, C.S. Lewis, right? It's in The Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. And the powerful lion is Aslan. He represents Jesus. And the other lion represents us and our hard-hearted sin, slaves to Satan. So here, here's the deal. In the spiritual realm, 
Christ died for sinners. That would be us. Buried, rose again. Those who put their faith in him, this is what happened. Christ is like, I'm going to take out your hard heart. It's in the Bible. Take out your hard heart. Put, get rid of it. And I'm going to put a soft heart in you that is now malleable. That is now sensitive. The Holy Spirit now lives in you. Okay, that's what Christ has done for. He's made us soft. He's made us care about his commands. He made us care about his word. But from time to time, we, even as believers, can harden our hearts. And when that happens, it's like we need the lion to blow on us, to soften us, to bring us to conviction and to repentance. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, as you examine your life, as what the word of God has just done to you, you've been hooked up to the heart monitor. Is there an area of your life that you need the Lord to blow on? Is there an area of your life, I don't know what it is, that you need the Lord to blow on? You say, yeah, yeah, I've been hardening my heart here. And you need the Lord to blow on. And the good news is he'll do that. He'll say, yeah, let's, let's deal with that. Because he'll say stuff like, I'm much better than that. You can delight in me instead of that. And he'll blow, bring conviction. And for us, our part is to repent, receive forgiveness, and follow Jesus. And so if that's you here this morning, let's ask the Lord to blow his grace into our lives. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.